Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk. Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Mark Reardon. You know, politicians want to force you to cover your face as a way for them to cover their own asses. Mark Reardon. Does the president not know what's going on? I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, 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 good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, start the Tuesday edition of the broadcast. Mark Reardon in the studio. Sue Thomas is here. Abby is with us. Fred is still out. Fred is on vacation. I don't like this very much. You know, I've criticized Fred for years for not taking days off, right? He yeah. sometimes, he's, Sue, you know this. We've, we've chronicled this. Sometimes he's in a situation where he gets to the end of the year, he has vacation days, and he doesn't take them, right? Hello, yeah. Fred Bottenheimer yeah. over there. Here's the thing. But now he's taking them, and I don't know that I like it. Uh, I think he, I like it the old way better because it throws me off completely. I depend on him so much. Listen, I understand this, and he's kind of embracing it. I know. I don't and like this is—it's uh, like dangerous. I think he's using some leverage too. He's finally <laughs> he like, you know is. what? I'm going to take some time off. Reardon, be damned. Oh, right? I think that's what's happening. It's a sub because message for sure. Here, here's the other thing about it that's confusing. So I was going to take, if you remember, going back to last week, originally I was going to take the whole week off. Uh-huh. And then I think Fred told me, yeah, I'm taking the week off too. And then I pulled back my days. I think he kind of matched my days. He goes, okay, checkmate, dude. I'm taking, I'm going to take next week off. So he, and then, because I got back yesterday and Abby's like, I think Fred's off tomorrow too. I'm like, no. Like Wednesday, being mean, right, anyway. right, and apparently that's true. I got that confirmed. But well, we'll, we'll he survive. is Fred, so maybe he'll show up and help a little but bit. I'm just going to be honest. Here's the difference. Now I'm torn. I'm just being. I'm completely being honest here, Sue. Okay, because I've worked with Fred now for 16 years, and and he's done so many amazing things. He's for me. so great. He just, you know, he just celebrated his 40th anniversary in in one place, and the company mm-hmm. has gone through several ownerships. It was CBS Radio, mm-hmm. and then Entercom, and and Odyssey. To have survived that is a small radio. Miracle. It really is. I mean, seriously. And, and you know, he, he works his ass off. But the, the thing that is, this is where I'm conflicted, okay? Because what's been troubling for me over the years is the fact that when Fred takes a day off, he does not take a day off. He literally, he's still texting me. He's emailing. He's still guesting the show. He's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I don't mind. I'll just be at home. And I tell him, I'm like, Fred, take the damn time off. Now he's doing it. Yeah, I don't like it. Okay, so now I'm going to have to encourage him to go in the other direction. I liked it better the old way, where Fred 
didn't take the actual time off and he helped me. Not only did Fred go out of town, but he went, I mean, on vacation, but he went out of town. Yeah. I've seen photos from uh, New York City. He's having well, a great time. You tell me if this was a little uh, subliminal, too. Oh, all right. Because yesterday, you know, I don't want to bother him. I try not to bother um, Abby when she's out and, you know, producer Meredith Dave Klein as well. I, I sent him a message last week. I was trying to give him a little. Um, tip, even though I think he knew this. He went to New York City yes, to see did. the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And there was something that had come over in Twitter on Wednesday when he was heading there. I was already in Vegas. And I said, hey, if you want to see the floats, this is where you go. Oh, that's nice. I said, nice. in case you don't know. And he responded to that. I didn't know if he, he knew where it was. What did he say? Well, Because no, his he, wife is on it. She she had everything no, planned. No, he said, thanks for the balloon tip. We went right oh, there. So good. he actually, and he sent a bunch of pictures last week of all the uh, balloons being filled up as yeah, well. Yeah, that was cool. Um and then I said, uh, I said, Fred, oh, this is what I, I texted him this yesterday. I said, I have sent some things to Abby, to just Abby, but I have started copying you in case these end up being holdovers for Wednesday. No, See, I'm no. assuming, I'm assuming that he's coming back on Wednesday, right? And I say, I'm not sure of the level of interaction between you and Abby on this stuff. And he said, good, no problem. Then he sends a picture, and it's from Central Park. It's like in Central Park, uh-huh. to which I'm interpreting, hey, dude, I'm still on vacation. Leave me the hell alone. That is Fred speak for shut up until I get back. By the way, I don't blame him. I I don't either. No, I I can I have deep appreciation for it, but I don't. You know, again, it's like a perfect example of be careful what What you you ask for, wish for, what you inform people they should do. Man, unbelievable. All right, well, we'll we'll get by here. We have a bunch of stuff that is scheduled. And by the way, Abby's doing a great job. But the 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 thing is, is that. Fred, Fred has Fred, a lot man. on his. He's got a lot on yeah. his uh, plate. He really and does. And his folders. He has multiple folders. None of them are here. No, uh, the Manila folders. They will. You know, we have. We do have a broadcast radio hall of fame, and I, I think that Fred's Manila folders should actually go in those. Don't oh, you think? I, I, I will f- argue for that. I wish people right could see this. There, there is a time. Maybe I should put a little video together with the help of Anna, who, yeah, who does our social media. Because, and I've never tried to change this. You know, in the mid-2000s when we started working together, there wasn't all this technology. The iPhone, I think, came out in, what, 2008? So Fred's method of booking the show and guessing, he's got these folders, he puts the list down. Mm -hmm. There's a stack of them in the room that he sits Mm -hmm. in. One day we might go in there and then he's just going to be buried under Mm -hmm. all those. No, it's absolutely true. But as the technology improved, there was a temptation on my part to say, hey, Fred, maybe we should try this, you know, to to organize it. But it doesn't matter because he knows what he's doing. He gets it done. You can't mess with a system that works. Well, I just hope he's back soon. Um, as we get rolling here this afternoon, I have Sarah Perry from the Heritage Foundation who's going to join us about the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, Tom Basile, who is on Newsmax TV, wrote a great piece about the climate cult meeting reparations lunacy. Uh, Councilman Fitch is going to be with us, former Senator Talent, this afternoon. We're going to find out a little bit more about the Georgia runoff election down um, south and a whole lot more plus an audio cut of the day. Now, I should say this as we start. We won the World Cup game. The U.S. just won the World Cup game this is fantastic. against Iran. It is fantastic. I will say this, though. I went in. You know, we have the TV by the little cafeteria, the kitchen. There were some people that were gathered. It was in the—when I walked in, it was the 97th minute of the game, and it was like nine additional minutes, which means, if I'm getting some of this correctly, it's a 90-minute game, but they don't stop the clock, right? In football, baseball— Oh, I see. So it rolls regardless. But then what they do is, if someone's flopping, you know, faking an injury, they, they count that time, and then they add it to the end of the game. So apparently there were a lot of flops because there were nine minutes left. 
I'm telling you, with just about a minute and a half left in that game, the Iranians almost scored. They had the ball. And it was like, wait, wait, no, don't let that happen. In a tie, I don't think would have done it, right? That's my understanding. If they tie the game, they probably don't make it. So now they play on Saturday. <clears throat> Can you tell Do us? Do we know who they I play? I think it's the Netherlands, but I don't know. I make things up. I like up the too. Netherlands. They were playing earlier today against somebody. Maybe that's who it is. Then. So good. Yay for the Netherlands. Well, there you go. So USA, you, I just it was one nil. Sue, the other game was nil nil, wasn't no. it? The other day, it's yeah, just not wh- whatever it was. It was a tie, and it, it, mm-hmm. it got us fewer points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I still don't get it. You know, I and I understand. You know, what the soccer, what the beautiful game football people say. Well, look, you 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 like baseball, right? You can have a pitcher's duel in baseball, which is true. But it, soccer seems to be a pitcher's duel every time. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's never not a pitcher's duel. Yeah, I get it. It's one nil or nil nil or do one we have one to say nil? You do. That, okay, it's fine. federal law, if not you know something that the um, you know the United Nations uh, implores we'll people me. to do. Yeah, they'll okay. they'll come after you. Good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> All right, where where do I start here today? I do have a bunch of things that I wanted to get to. Some of them are audio um, related. Let me let me start with this. You know, I'm just going to I'm going to keep it real, Sue, because that's kind of what I do. And I, and I can't manufacture this. I come back from the trip and, you know, Thanksgiving, we all do we kind of settle in what I heard a lot about yesterday. And I've always mentioned that when I take vacations and I hope that Fred's doing that right now, don't pay attention to the news. Get away from yeah. it. So I come back into the fray. I start doing some um, some work over the weekend and looking at stories and, you know, things I might want to talk about. And I hear all this stuff about Kanye and Donald Trump and uh, this guy named Nick Fuentes. All right, you, You've heard Nick Fuentes' name. I have. In the last couple of days. Did you know who Nick Fuentes was? I did not. I had no idea who Nick Fuentes was. I'm not but, sure I still do. Yeah, so. well, I don't think that I do either, and I'm not so sure I want to. Okay, that that's what I would also say. Even though I'm a white supremacist, you would think, most people, I guess, would assume, as a white supremacist talk show host, that I would also know fellow white supremacist anti-Semites out there like Nick Fuentes. So the controversy is, we know about Yee, right? Because he's an idiot, and he's off the rails. He is and off the Trump, rails. Trump's tight with him. But he, let's be honest, Yee said some things that were not even marginally anti-Semitic. They were absolutely, you know, I don't like calling things, every little thing is racist or bigoted, but I think in the case of of Kanye, you can say he met the qualifications. So Trump has him over the, the, um, the other night and Nick Fuentes is there. And Trump says that he doesn't know who Nick Fuentes is. Now, at this point in the story, I want to say, I actually believe that. I really do. I'm going to play a little audio here from Megyn Kelly. She believes it, too. But regardless of what happened, now, the guy is going to run for president. So I, I absolutely, completely understand when when Donald Trump does something, it potentially could be newsworthy, right? Sure. But what's happening now is that, and there's perfect examples of this today, Kevin McCarthy comes out. You know, they met with the president today and the Democrat leadership. They're trying to figure out the strategy for 2023. And the only thing that reporters want to ask Kevin McCarthy about, they don't want to ask about the border. They don't want to ask about inflation. They don't want to ask about, you know, China right now and what's happening there with uh, zero COVID. They don't want to ask anything. They only want to ask about Nick Fuentes. These reporters who are asking this question, they didn't know who Nick Fuentes was a couple of days ago, right? So then the question becomes, why? Well, I think the reason is they want the clicks and they know that Trump's going to get them attention. But here's first and foremost Megyn Kelly on this, on her podcast, because I think she's right. I'm not trying to give him a pass, but I do think she's right. I believe Trump when Trump comes out and says, I didn't know who that was. I believe him because most people have no idea who Nick Fuentes is. I'm in media. You're in media. I've covered him because he 
went after my friend and it made a it was a dust up on Twitter. Most people have no idea who that is. And Trump's been kind of busy the past six years. Um, so I believe he didn't know him, but he knew what Kanye West has said recently. He had absolutely no screening process in place to make sure whoever Kanye was bringing was not deeply problematic. Milo Yiannopoulos is a little controversial, too, yep. for the same reasons, similar. Um, and it, it it is alarming to me, the prospect that Trump might have somehow been intentionally fanning a certain flame with a certain part of his base because it helps him. It helps him get in the news, helps him generate controversy, et cetera. Well, I would say that at this point, nothing like that is going to help him in the long run. It's it's only going to hurt him. Now, I, I always try to apply the, the same pressure that I would on the other side. So let's say Joe Biden did something similar. Sure. I, I think people on my side would be pretty outraged. They'd sure. say, wait a second, what is going on here? And would you accept the excuse, I didn't know who the guy was? Look, you are the president of the United States. You want to be another president, right? You, you kind of maybe need to have your people. Do you have people? vetting some of these things. But I want to get past that because what's important now is what's happening in this country, not who Donald Trump had dinner with. And McCarthy's out there trying to talk about things today. And what about the former president all of a sudden have that dinner? That and the president didn't know who he was. And he the president has given up. You know what? We're, we're, he's been... So he knew who Condé West did. He didn't know who Fuentes is. Yes, sir. McCarthy, did you get a sense that... Just clarify your position on... The meeting between Trump and Kanye West. Was that appropriate? Uh, look, the president have meetings with who he wants. I don't think anybody though, should have a meeting with Nick Fuentes and his views should are nowhere within the Republican Party or within this country itself. Kanye West has made I think Kanye West should well. and I, I don't I don't think those are right comments and I don't think you should have uh, associated with him as well. But I'm very clear in my position. So if you would Google, I'm going to just do this as an example right now. If you just Google Kevin McCarthy's name and you put that into your little search function and you see what comes up, here's the stories that come up. Kevin McCarthy just tried to explain away Donald Trump's dinner with a white nationalist. McCarthy condemns Nick Fuentes, stopping short of faulting Trump. McConnell McCarthy divided on response to Trump dinner. Uh, Kevin McCarthy lies that Trump disavowed white nationalist dinner date. Dinner date. Ken McCarthy's revisionism on Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Nick Fuentes, Washington Post, Yahoo. McConnell McCarthy criticized Trump's dinner. It's all, it's yeah. all that. There, there's nothing on anything else. Jason Chaffetz talking about that. This is why America hates the national media. Three questions about Donald Trump meeting with Ye and whoever that white, you know. Well, they want clicks they, on, they, on their social media. That's why that they is do that. so irresponsible. Before they talked about the rail strike, before they talked about the border, before they did all this, they got to talk about Donald Trump. This is why we hate the national media. One of many reasons, but it's amazing because nothing, none of the serious topics that the people in this country really want to learn about or should learn about or need to know about are on the national media's agenda right now because of the stupid dinner the other night with a guy that nobody really knew in the first place. So it's this is pretty much the pattern, I think, that we're going to experience for the next uh, two years. I have no idea. Sarah Perry with the Heritage Foundation coming up next, 97.1 FM Talk. It's a Tuesday on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers reminds me that I just favorited this yesterday in my music service, which is Tidal. And I I meant to listen to this, but I have not done it yet. They just put out a new um, live album from 1997. It's live at the Fillmore, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, Just had a conversation with somebody who was lucky enough, like I was, just to see Tom Petty right before he died a few years ago when he came into St. Louis. So the live album looks fantastic. Great set list for that, so check it out. We have um, coming up here in a little bit, Tim Fitch, St. Louis County Councilman. They're trying to talk uh, county city merger again in the region. So we'll get his um, opinion on that. But there's also, uh-oh, there's my music on my iPad. Everyone's what is that? That was Tom like, Petty. Was, see, how does that happen? All I did was shut the iPad. And then you heard Cabin Down Below live at the Fillmore. I must have hit something wrong. I apologize for that. Uh, Tim Fitch coming up in the next hour. We're going to talk to him not only about, <laughs> just did it again. Yeah. Okay. Do you have how, a mute button well, on the... But it shouldn't happen. Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close out the app. Okay. See what happens okay. again. Oh, that uh, worked. That did okay. work. Take three. <laughs> Tim Fitch will join me in the next hour. Former St. Louis County Police Chief. We'll, we'll talk about the city-county merger thing, but there's also some other you know, spending issues, budget issues that have come up. Uh, former Senator Talent in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Sarah Perry is with us right now. Looks like the Defense or the Respect for Marriage Act, what are they calling it? The Respect for Marriage Act is going to pass in the United States Senate probably even today. Uh, I'm, and I've said this before, I'm someone who uh, probably, well, no, not even probably, was, was for gay marriage before Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. But I'm also for religious liberty. And what, one thing that you do have to be careful about when you hear stuff like this, Re- Respect for Marriage Act, which is going to codify or grant protections to same-sex and interracial couples. Sometimes the devil's in the details, and that's what I wanted to find out from Sarah Perry this afternoon, who's a legal expert at the Heritage Foundation. How are you, Sarah? Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. So it it looks like it is going to pass, though, even today, potentially, right? Yes, actually, it's already passed to the Senate. What we're currently looking at right now, the roll call is actively underway as you and I are talking right now are the consideration of four religious liberty amendments proposed by a certain number of senators, the most robust of which is a, an amendment for religious liberty purposes offered by Senator Mike Lee. But along with him are amendments that are also under consideration by uh, Senator James Lankford and Senator Marco Rubio, all of which have been offered to expand the protections for religious liberty in this piece of legislation. They are critically important. But as we're talking on the phone right now, we need a 60-vote threshold for Senator Lee's Religious Liberty Amendment to pass. We are currently at 40 votes for yes. 
and 46 votes for no. So we're going to be very much down to the wire on this. So explain the difference between how the bill would um, would work if it passes in its current form versus if it passes with those you know amendments for religious liberty. So there are a couple of considerations that um, we've been tracking very closely. Now, this is obviously a bill that purports to codify nothing more than what the Supreme Court has already determined is a constitutional right to same-sex marriage from the 2015 Supreme Court decision, Obergefell v. Hodges. Except what it also does is it brings into the equation, even though this has never been at risk since Loving versus Virginia in 1967, interracial marriage as well. Now, we have no reason to believe any state in the union would suddenly determine that interracial marriage is illegal or unconstitutional. And in fact, that flies in the face of precedent for decades from the Supreme Court. But it is a talking point designed to gin up hysteria, I yes. think, for not only passage, but to prevent passage of these religious liberty amendments. And there are a couple of problematic provisions. I'll just highlight some of the big areas here. It talks about respect for decent and honorable philosophical or religious premises. Respect is one thing regarding a belief on marriage, but protection is entirely another thing. So it's choice of words. I think the silence here, in fact, by failing to say protection for religious liberty and instead saying respect for divergent philosophical or religious premises is very bothersome to us. We also know that while it says that there is no weaponization of this bill by its own terms to call into account the nonprofit status, um, the tax-exempt status of religious organizations and entities, it says nothing about the IRS and its new cadre of 87,000 federal agents from doing exactly that. And if you remember tracking with the Obama administration, Lois Lerner's Department of the Internal Revenue Service decided that they would target explicitly those individuals with tax-exempt status who held fast to a traditional belief on marriage. In addition to that, it also talks about the fact that the bill can't be used as a basis for government bureaucrats to deny licenses, grants, or contracts. But once again, just like the tax-exempt status, it's the terms of the law, this particular bill, saying it doesn't have that effect, but it does it does absolutely nothing to prevent that effect from being achieved through other means. It also mentions the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which we already know is a protection guaranteed under federal law. And it talks about the First Amendment to the Constitution, religious liberty protections. Again, that is simply stating the obvious. But what it's done is essentially put in the crosshairs those entities and individuals who hold fast to this traditional sexually uh, orthodox perspective, where whether Jewish, Christian, or Muslim, and it says very little about exactly what will be done to protect them, but offers a lot of sort of anodyne description of the fact that they're due respect and not much else. And that that bothers us quite significantly. There, There is no, I mean, this is a rhetorical question, sir, but the Oberfeld decision is not in jeopardy anywhere in this country. There's no movement anywhere for people trying to overturn that decision, right? Correct. And this comes from one separate concurring opinion, not joined by any of the other justices in the watershed Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health decision. That is the decision from June 24th of this year that overturned Roe versus Wade. It was Justice Thomas alone who wrote a separate concurring opinion in which he said 
I would like to see this court revisit all of its substantive due process jurisprudence. That is all of the sort of plucked out of thin air rights that the Supreme Court has pulled from the 14th Amendment. Now, the majority in the Dobbs case said, listen, abortion is different. It is inherently different because a third party is involved. We have always said it was different. Even Roe acknowledged it was a different type of 14th Amendment right because of the existence or potential existence of another person. Justice Thomas stands alone while his interpretation of substantive due process may have a lot of substance and weight to it. None of the other justices are willing or eager to take that up, and they were very clear to limit their opinion only to the issue of abortion and nothing else. So what, what is your anticipation if these amendments fail and it passes without the, um, you know, the additional protections for religious liberty, goes back to the House and then they have to send it to the president? But that would not even be in question with the numbers in the House right now, would it? No, it wouldn't. And what we're seeing right now, and we're not surprised in the least that this is being pushed through during a lame duck session, which, of <laughs> right. course, is that period between the end of November and about the second week in January when the freshman class is now sworn in. They know it's already passed the House. They are cramming it through the Senate. Their hope, I think, is to pass it without these religious liberty riders and in so doing, send it to the president's office, who will no doubt sign it into law. And I think then what we can anticipate is a series of legal challenges, because in many respects, this has eliminated the function of dissent, the right under not only the Constitution, but federal law, not just to relegate your faith to your church, your synagogue, or your mosque, but to live it out in daily American life. And we're about to see on December 5th, quite a showdown at the Supreme Court. We're going to see this in action when we hear oral arguments in the case of 303 Creative versus Alenis, a website designer who is a Christian, serves everyone equally, but doesn't want to create websites for same-sex marriages. She should have the right to do so under this bill. When it is signed into law, if that is the case, she will not have the ability to dissent. And that's an America that I think terrorizes and terrifies many of us. Yeah, because, you know, I, I can use what I said at the beginning of the segment. Um, I, I have no I have very many friends who are in um, you know, gay couples in relationships. I've said this before, longer relationships than some of my, you know, heterosexual friends and their marriages who have ended. By the same token, I, I would absolutely support in the um, in the case that you just mentioned, the ability for that person to have that religious exemption. Right. Absolutely. And the founders felt it was important enough to list among our first freedoms in the Bill of Rights. I, too, have a number of married gay couple friends. I am wonderfully close with them. I give them full opportunity to live as they choose. My desire and the desire of those who follow religious liberty as a form of constitutional expertise and jurisprudence is not to impose our religion on anyone else. And I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding here. What we're seeing instead is ultimately the opportunity for us to live out our religious beliefs as we see fit. And that is simply what we're asking for here. This isn't special treatment. It's simply equal treatment. If you're going to codify Obergefell, you should also codify other religious liberty decisions that we're not seeing that seriously taken up as an opportunity to be able to amend this particular bill or to offer riders.
So we're very yeah. we're very curious as to what the ultimate outcome is going to be here. Sarah Perry, legal expert at the Heritage Foundation, well stated. I appreciate it. Since I have you on the line, one final question, 30 seconds. I ask all the legal experts this, especially those who focus on the court. Do you think we'll ever find out who the Dobbs leaker was? <laughs> I well, know, I right? What, if they haven't told us now, we probably won't find out, and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. I guess so. Very frustrating. Hey, Sarah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for All having right, me. Take care. Renewed talk of a St. Louis County City merger. We'll get into that with County Councilman Tim Fitch in the next hour. Also, uh, Jim Talent, former senator, chair of the Reagan Institute National Leadership Council. We'll talk uh, about the China protests, maybe a little bit about Iran as well. Iran losing to the U.S. in the World Cup. So the um, Americans on to the elimination round. And I think it's the Netherlands they'll take on this weekend, although I'm not a big soccer person, so I can't completely confirm that. But USA, USA and all that stuff. It's good that we won. That would have been embarrassing losing to the Iranians. On the topic of being an American, there are things that really, in I'm, I'm saying this seriously, deep down as a proud American that, that I reject uh, in my heart. Like, for example, tens of thousands of illegals flooding the border. Um, here's something else I thought. Remember in New York City, I think some of this got struck down. There was a borough in Manhattan. They've tried this elsewhere to allowing illegals to actually cast votes in American elections. That seems doesn't seem wrong. It is wrong. The other thing that kind of struck me and we didn't get into this as much as I wanted to before the holiday, which is why we're going to do it right now, is the the possibility of paying reparations for climate change to third world nations. It's insanity. But apparently that's what we're doing. At least that's what this administration wants to do. Tom Basile is the host of America Right Now on Newsmax TV. He's an author, a former Bush administration official. He's with us this afternoon on 97.1 FM Talk. Tom, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Mark. I, I wish we had something better to talk about, but it is kind of insane. Uh, the uh, The administration said they would never do this. They would never sign on to a climate reparations fund, but our our jet-setting climate czar, John Kerry, uh, <laughs> likes to spend our money, doesn't he, Mark? It's just, it really is nuts. And one of the things I want to start with, because I always kind of like to lead with this, and I never hear the climate alarmists talk about this. I'd love to sit down with uh, John Kerry and say, you know, when, when all is said and done, do you think that all these poor people that, by the way, John Kerry, your party was so concerned about in this country with people living in poverty, I've seen actual poverty around the world. I've been to Honduras. There are third world mm-hmm. nations that, you know what they could use? They could use um, carbon-based energy to provide them with heating and air conditioning and electricity so they can live lives, I don't know, somewhat similar to ours. What about that idea? But no, we have to look down the road 100 years to when we might have some impact on global temperatures and we have to pay these third world nations now for not helping them. That's essentially what we're doing. Hey, we're going to give you some money now because we're really not going to help you so you can air condition and heat your homes or have running water and all things like that. We're worried about the future, so you're effed. That's essentially the message, but, I think. But, but, but Mark, let's, let's remember, these third world countries, they're run by, they're, they, they're phony democracies or they're run by dictators that are incredibly corrupt. Well, that's, that's true, who too. Use right. essential, who use essential services as weapons to control their population. So for all of these years, it's not the fact that they didn't have the money so that they couldn't create a, a better environment or a healthier or, or, or a healthier population. They have repeatedly chosen not to do those things. And yet we, as the American public, according to Joe Biden, we are the ones who are to blame for the fact that they live in these deplorable conditions. And, and you, you talk about global policy. This is anything but global policy, because, of course, the Chinese 
which emits sixty <laughs> yeah. percent of all of the emissions of the United States and Europe combined, they're not going to have anything to do with this at the end of the day. Right, which is in and of itself absolutely insulting when you think about it. And I've I've cited this um, this particular nugget before, and I'll do it again because I, I remember having a great conversation years ago, and I asked my guests this question. This was someone who believed in man-made climate change. And he admitted, this is a professor from Berkeley, that if we flip the switch here, Tom, in this country, right, we just turn the entire country off for a year. No carbon emissions, right? Nothing. Right. Wouldn't matter. Because within a year, maybe a year and a half, two years, we'd have the same level of emissions thanks to our friends in China and India. But we'd have to do all the sacrificing in this country. That's essentially what this administration wants to do. And that's what the left wants to do, because I guess they feel so guilty. I'm all for EVs and things that make the air cleaner if, in fact, there's demand for that and we can get there without punishing people and making economic, large economic sacrifices. Because when when you look at what they're trying to do right now, eliminating capacity from the grid, that's going to put the hurt on a lot of people. They're going to feel it this winter with their heating bills. Think about five years from now how that's going to feel. And last and last and last week, Joe Biden said, well, if your heating bills are too high, just put solar panels on your roof. I mean, that's it's look. And and really what this is about, Mark, and the the insidious nature about this is that it it really has nothing to do with the climate. They know that with the stroke of a pen or spending billions of dollars or climate reparations fund, they're they're not going to be able to change the climate. What they will do is make billions of dollars for their donors. This is about money. It's not about saving the planet. It's not about improving the human condition in any way. It's about it's about folks making money, creating these artificial marketplaces, creating the uh, false demand, forcing people to buy products that they don't necessarily want or need that are more expensive so that investors that are overwhelmingly democratic um, can can make a fortune. That's really what this is about. Well, they're they're pretty good at virtue signaling, but one of the frustrating parts of this is that it's guys like you and me and some of the conservative media that has to point some of these things out because the L.A. Times, the New York Times, our St. Louis Post-Dispatch, they won't even allow an alternative version of the facts, and there are facts that would challenge some of the narrative here, but they won't even talk about it. Yeah, no, they, they, they won't. I mean, for instance, you mentioned something uh, that a lot of people don't talk about, and that is the fact that if you look at the, the regulations coming down the pipe from the EPA uh, and the Energy Department and the Biden administration, they are looking to, to eliminate 20 percent, up to 20 percent of our electrical capacity between now and 2030 and only replace a small fraction of that with much, much re- less reliable sources of energy like solar and these windmills that keep popping up, destroying the landscape everywhere. Um, so when you think about uh, instability in the electrical grid, it's not just in places like California where they have rolling blackouts. It's It could be a nationwide problem, and it's a national security issue as well. And, and Mark, one more thing that I, I w- would, would bring up uh, to you about this international reparations, this international victimhood culture fund that they've created, is that I think it's going to give also cover for domestic reparations activists to say, hey, you know what, this concept of, you know, big bad America coming in um, and now paying for the injustices that it has foisted on other people, that there's now that that gives them cover for a domestic reparations agenda, which the far no left, doubt. whether it's universal basic income or or reparations that they continue to push in blue states and blue cities. 
I think you're absolutely right about that. By the way, I want to just quickly revisit what you said about the landscape, because I find that an interesting comment, especially given the um, the history that I would have in Missouri. It goes back to 40 years ago when I was in Columbia, Missouri, doing talk radio. I guess really a little bit more than 30 years ago when I started doing talk, and there was a guy in the city council there that was very much against billboards. And there was a, you know, and I actually understand this a lot better as an adult now when it comes to the environment and green space and all these things. But I bring it up because we have some of those things in Illinois. You know, if you go through Illinois from St. Louis to Chicago on I-55, these big windmill farms, Mm -hmm. which are just, it looks, if you drive at night, it looks like an alien invasion. But it is surprising to me that that never gets discussed, really. The, um, I guess maybe a little bit, you brought it up, but in the whole scheme of things, the way that this is affecting the landscape and the, the utter hideousness, hideousness of it across the country doesn't really come into play very often, and I think it should. Yeah. Yeah. And look, and and the environmentalists are totally hypocritical on this, because when it comes to development, they're all about protesting the the destruction of view sheds. Right. That's that's the term of art view sheds, the ability for you to see the natural landscape. But but uh, erect a 400 foot, you know, a a dozen 400 foot windmills. They have absolutely no problem with that. That go on for Um, miles and miles and miles, by the way. Yeah. And by the way, they're tearing them down in Europe. Because the Europeans have realized that the climate cultists have 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 made them so incredibly vulnerable to Russia that they're now re- revisiting their their energy um, their energy mix entirely, including France, uh, saying no, we're going to double down on nuclear between now and 2030, um, and they're exploring you know sort of micro nuclear stations and things like that, and they're even you know they're even subtly moving away from and you'll never hear that reported here in the US but but there's even subtly starting to move away from things like wind because they realize you cannot power um major population centers with uh, with wind and solar. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that here, I think, eventually, too. It's just going to take a little while, especially because the media doesn't cooperate giving people the facts. Tom Basile, great stuff. I appreciate the host of America right now on Newsmax TV. You have a great week, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for being. Thanks for let me be be on the show. Absolutely. Get more at 971talk.com. All star closer, Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.